What's going on, guys? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this second edition of the Weekend Recap here on the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. It's a little bit more of a somber episode. Obviously, Kobe, his daughter Gigi, and everything that happened on Sunday. It's the first thing we talk about, or I talk about, as it's a solo pod, but reflect on it talk about just how I'm feeling, how the sports world is feeling, and, and everything there. And, yeah, it was a little emotional, but we, we talked through it. And then jump into the golf, the Farmers Insurance Open, and the what turned out to be a crazy ending. Then talked a little bit about the NHL All-Star Game, a little more basketball, some movie talk. It was a lot of fun to record, aside from, obviously, the uh, somber beginning. But let me know what you think in the comments, because... Obviously, this is still work in progress, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as we go forward. As always, though, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Again, search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. You're going to want to get your questions in as Maddie D and I are recording our Super Bowl episode on Wednesday night, but enjoy this episode, guys. Again, my heart goes out to everyone, all of the families of uh, involved. Enjoy the episode, and here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast, the weekend recap. We're back for the second edition of it. We got some great responses from the first one, so we're trying it again, tweaking some of the thoughts that you guys gave us. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell. This is on the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. Doing it once again on Monday because, like most of the sports world and the world at large, I was in a bit of autopilot yesterday after hearing the biggest news of the weekend, of the untimely passing of Kobe Bryant, the former Lakers superstar, NBA, all-time great, passed away in a helicopter accident with his daughter, with a number of her teammates, one of his assistant coaches, um, baseball coach, and just really, really struck hard by that news. It's been over 24 hours, and it still doesn't feel real. Um, I'm gonna try to, you know, talk through my feelings about all this. Have you know, try to give some sort of thought um, on everything on the situation of the first 24 hours of this, and. Yeah, and we're gonna try to you know run through it together, and then uh, then we'll jump into the you know talking about other stuff, the golf and uh, the NHL All Star Game, and you know some other basketball news. Um, but yeah, let's let's try to talk about this because yesterday afternoon get that news as I'm starting to watch the final round of the Farmers Insurance Open, and it was crazy. To find out. Um, at first, you didn't think it was real. I think that's probably the most common answer you get from a lot of people that you've talked to. Because uh, TMZ dropped it. And yeah, TMZ, really the only sports story that I can think of them really covering a ton was Tiger. Uh, with his, everything with his 
scandal. Um, and other than that, all I can think of is pop culture with them. So you maybe think, maybe they're misinformed, this can't be real, we need someone else. And then Woj confirmed it. Um, and yeah, the entire sporting world immediately came together and let out this morning um and seeing everything that happened in la with all the fans and that florist who was ready to go with gold and purple flowers and immediately people storming the staples center the house that kobe built to build that memorial with that incredible flower display and the fact that the grammys were going on later that night and people wouldn't leave in front of the the staples center um it was just so sad, but it was great to see people come together with it. And yeah, let's, I don't want to make this all about, you know, about me, but I, I, I do want to take a couple seconds, a couple minutes to talk about just sort of my thoughts on Kobe, you know, just cause being a kid of the nineties, you know, I was born in 1990, Kobe was drafted in 1996, the same time as AI, you know, a couple, obviously a couple picks later. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, because basketball has always been a sport that it's always been a sport in general that's talked about with championships, but it was one that the finals were something for me of of must watch TV. My mom's from Chicago, so watching Michael Jordan was a big deal. It was a big deal for us and I don't really remember I obviously don't really remember the first three and I don't remember when Michael Jordan was retired. I remember when Space Jam came out. I don't really remember the the fourth championship, but I remember the fifth in 1997. And it's kind of crazy because that's when, you know, seven, eight years old was when I got my Nintendo 64 for the first time. And you'd bring games to friends' houses and you, friends bring games there. And I talked about this in, in a blog post when Ken Griffey Jr. got into the Hall of Fame a few years back, but just kind of the, the player having their own game and, and Ken Griffey being one of my first players, not on a Philadelphia team. And Kobe was one of those who also stuck out. And it was also interesting because he's from the area. And courtside with Kobe Bryant was one of these games that was my first real introduction into basketball video games. And I don't know, it's just something that, that I just kind of think of, of the commercials with it where there's like a Kobe's on like a late night talk show and the virtual Kobe is there. And it's one of those things that you know, the Bulls won their fifth in 97, the Gimme Five, and then they win again in 98, which I remember that pretty vividly with, you know, against the against the Utah Jazz and kind of, I remember reading Sports Illustrated for Kids, but Kobe was always right there and, you know, paid attention in 99 with the Spurs win. And then the first Laker championship happens and Shaq is this really cool dude and he's playing with Kobe and they're like this brotherly duo of you know the big guy and the small you know, the small guy and Kobe and it was just so much fun to watch and then the next year you know with the Sixers and the Sixers playing them and the step over and just watching Kobe and and AI go at it it was really cool and then obviously the Lakers went again and for so long I mean you hear this a lot with other people with a lot of other sports mainly hockey's a big one of people only watch hockey in the playoffs and I watched the Sixers but I, I you know I wouldn't pay a ton of attention to the rest of the NBA until the playoffs. Um, and the Lakers were always must-watch TV, and including in 03, they don't pull it out. 04 is the big debacle. And then, 
you know, around the same time LeBron comes into the league, and that's really when basketball started to change with LeBron coming in, and Kobe was right there, and he was just this lightning rod, and he loved it, and, you know, then Shaq wins in 06 in Miami, um, the same season Kobe drops 81 points, and he had been, again, this lightning rod, this news story, and that's, you know, the freshman year of high school for me is when I really started watching, yeah, maybe the second year I was really watching a lot of ESPN, but you, the friends I had for the one year I was at Conestoga, they were big basketball fans. That's what started to get me into the NBA. And oh, my friends at Berkshire did, Greg and all of our our group in high school, really got me more into the NBA, at least at that point as a whole. And, and watching ESPN does too because of how much they cover it. But yeah, the, just one last thing on Conestoga. It's in the same league as Lower Marion. And I remember going to Lower Marion for a wrestling match my freshman year. And I remember taking a picture of the Kobe jersey, that 33 signed jersey above their varsity basketball court. And I remember thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. And yeah, I, I've seen all the stuff people storming Lower Marion yesterday and today and holding, you know, how how much he held he meant to that school and you know you just feel for them feel for the teachers the people that made connections with him there and you know as time went on you know go to Berkshire make all these friends who are big basketball fans then the Celtics formed the Boston three party in 08 or 07 and then in 08 face off against the Lakers and I obviously wasn't around for the 80s I was born in 1990 but you hear the stories and Kobe brought that back and it felt like it. And I had no horse in the fight or no, no, whatever the phrase is. And that finals, I remember it was incredible. Just watching, you know, the Paul Pierce, he leaves game one. Kobe's just, it is going. He wanted that championship so bad. I mean, the, the Shaq, tell me how my ass tastes and all that stuff. And thankfully they squashed all that beef before this all went down. Uh, before yesterday happened, I should say. And then 09, you get Kobe's first championship without Shaq. The Celtics lose Kevin Garnett in the finals, and you feel like you missed something because Kobe beats the Magic and Dwight Howard. And then we finally got the rematch that we were hoping for 10 years ago in 2010. And I remember that whole finals and how much fun that was. And a lot of it was because it was Kobe seemingly going up against this three-headed monster and Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. And, you know, Trevor Reza, had, I remember, had a really good finals. And I just remember feeling so invested in that. And this is on the heels of the Flyers losing to the Blackhawks. So it wasn't like I was, that, that basketball was the only thing I was paying attention to. But Kobe and the prospect of seeing him chase MJ, similar to seeing Tiger chase Jack, it was. It felt so much like that, and it was must-watch TV. And he never got to the finals again because in eleven, it you know LeBron goes to the Heat, and the Spurs turned into the White Walkers. And shout out Game of Zones, um, and it goes completely crazy from there. The Heat, and then the Cavs again. The eight straight finals for LeBron. Kevin Durant takes over. The Thunder make it that one time. Then Russ got hurt, so they didn't make it. And, you know, before that, the Mavs won. And, yeah, you know, the Lakers kind of went went down from there. But 
Then in its 16, Kobe has that 60-point game. And it's one of those things that I can remember vividly in 2010 watching Game 7 at Camp Susquehannock. And I can remember that night in 2016 when Kobe dropped 60 points. It's one of those. I was in New York. I was at a Survivor function for Survivor Co-Wrong um, at a Rob is a Podcast event. But I remember the after party, a group of people who now are probably all part of this Rob is a Podcast sports group, watching that game, watching the end of that, and Kobe's 60 points. And there was a, this air around it the next day of just being like, you know, of feeling like a large part of of the heart and soul of the NBA was leaving. But kind of this, this you know, you had a smile on your face about the 60 points. And now that feeling is back uh, in, in the worst way possible with him, you know, having to go. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to hold hold this together because reading the stories throughout today and, and obviously yesterday have been tough. And I want to wrap this up just talking about a couple people and, and their responses. Obviously, the Jason Williams on Sports Center, he cursed and <laughs> talked about you know hugging the people you love, and and it's probably some of the sound, most sound advice. You know, just bury the shit. Um, you know, you saw Kendrick Perkins tweeting at uh, Kevin Durant about burying the shit. You know. If there's somebody you love out there, tell them. Don't wait. Um, yeah, but other some other people. Uh, LeBron, obviously, it's crazy. LeBron passes Kobe on Saturday. Emily and I were there. Uh, and it felt kind of crazy that, that he did it in Kobe's hometown in Philadelphia for Kobe's team. Um, and, you know, you, you would have thought, you know, Kobe obviously wasn't there, um, but you... You were just waiting to see what what his response was going to be, and he was apparently was really excited for LeBron. Um, and then you know the Lakers flying back to LA, and and some somebody was at the airport watching LeBron. I didn't like this. Uh, there's some kind of weird weird uh, followings of people, and and the need to show LeBron in tears on the tarmac. Yeah, you know, I didn't need to see that. Um, you know, talk. You have opinions of of LeBron or whatever, which, you know, but I, I don't need to see the guy crying. It's obviously hugely emotional, even if he's not playing for the Lakers. If he stayed in Cleveland, stayed in Miami, or stayed in Cleveland the first time, and he passes Kobe, one of the, a guy who meant so much. You saw all the different athletes, how they responded across the NBA. You know, the double 24-second cl- shot clock violations, Trey Young wearing number eight, and then taking the eight-second backcourt. It's you know it, he meant so much to so many people and it kind of flood the the newest face of the NBA who took the torch from Kobe. I, I didn't need that uh, and I, I don't think a lot of people are are feeling differently of of that. Uh, Michael Jordan obviously felt like Kobe was the next him because there were two guys who just so competitive and for him to make those nice words was kind of cool because it was this bridge between MJ and then the King and LeBron James and Kobe was that guy. And there's a large contingent out there that going back to that game Saturday night, that so many people who you may, there was a ton of people wearing LeBron jerseys, but a lot of them were saying like, he might've passed, but it's Kobe still the goat. And you can hear that because there's a lot of people trying to chirp these Laker fans and they were like, yeah, you know, I wear the LeBron jersey, but Kobe's the GOAT. And it was, I, you just, your heart feels for him. 
had two good buddies in high school who they were the biggest Kobe fans so much that they went to a Eastern Conference Finals game in Boston in Kobe jerseys and got chirped by the announcing crew. Van Gundy chirped my two buddies where they were wearing Kobe jerseys. I mean, I, my heart goes out to you guys. Misha and JJ, I doubt you guys are listening, but my heart goes out to you guys because I know, I remember JJ watching one of the last LeBron versus Kobe games. I think it was in 15, so a year before he announced his retirement, or a year before he retired. Um, but, you know, my heart goes out to you guys. My heart goes out to Kobe's family, to Vanessa and his three daughters. I mean, Jesus, I can only imagine. I'm so sorry. And to the rest of the the rest of the families, I mean, I'm so sorry. Um, the last one I wanted to talk about though was Tiger, and then we're gonna go over the golf, um, kind of as a as a precursor to talking about the farmers insurance. A lot of people were saying do it for Mamba, Tiger, and Kobe were really good friends, and you heard Jim Nance talk about it throughout it, and it was hard not to. He even said it. To not talk about that and how good of friends Tiger and Kobe were. And they showed frequently pictures of, of Tiger and Kobe meeting in 1997 and the whole world in front of both of them. Tiger would win his first major that year. Kobe would, he, he came on the scene in 1997. 96-97 was his rookie year. The youngest all-star in NBA history at 18 years old. And the whole world in front of them in that picture and Tiger didn't find out until he got off the 18th hole. And the cameras followed him, which was kind of crazy thinking that. Because Tiger was not really in the hunt for this tournament if you were not watching the golf. Uh, which we'll cover in a second. But cameras follow him as if he did. Uh, like they would like they would a champion uh, after, you know, after a major. They don't really even do it in these types of tournaments. Like the Farmers. It won't next week at the Waste Management. But it follows Tiger... And you see his caddy, Joe LaCava, turn to him. And you can tell he's telling him the news because Tiger kind of goes from this, like, all right, we're done. You know, I finished wherever. Didn't win. Let's move on. Coming back in a couple weeks. And you see the, the click to intensity. And you see Tiger go, excuse me? And literally take a step back. He was literally taken aback by finding out this news. And a few minutes later... He talks to Amanda Balionis about it. He wanted to say a couple a couple words, and he said some he said some really nice stuff. And I'm gonna, going to attach the audio file of this. So here's Tiger talking to Amanda Balionis about Kobe. You know, Amanda, I I didn't know until Joey just told me coming off uh, 18 green. Um, I didn't really understand why uh, the people in the galleries were saying do it for Mamba. Um, but now I understand. Um, it's a shocker to everyone. Um, un- un- unbelievably sad, and um, one of the more tragic days that uh, I think, well, for me, it's a, the rally's just kind of sitting in because um, I was just told probably about you know five minutes ago. You've been a Lakers fan your entire life. I know what Kobe meant to you. Joe and Joe LaCava says that you guys talk about him a lot on the golf course. What will you remember most about him as a player, but most importantly, as, as a man and father? The fire. Um, he burns so competitively hot and uh, desire to win. Um, he brought it each and every night I'm on both ends of the floor. I mean, not too many guys can, can say that uh, throughout NBA history that um, he'd lock up on D. Obviously, he was dominant on the offensive side, but 
anytime he was in the game, he'd, he'd take on their, their, their best player and just shut him down for you know all 48 minutes. And um, that was one of the more impressive things I think throughout this entire career. And then you know when he ruptures Achilles and went to the foul line and made his shots. I mean that's that's tough. I know this wasn't easy for you. Thank you for yeah, joining us. So, so some really nice words from Tiger there, and let's just use that as a springboard to jump into the Farmers Insurance Open, try to lighten this thing up, but let me know what you think, how you're feeling about Kobe and all this news in the comments, on the show notes, um, just kind of to build off of last week though, and speaking of show notes, talked about maybe attaching some highlights of shots and everything there, so that's what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to put in some more audio files like I just did with Tiger, but we... If we're going to talk about Tiger, he did not finish the you know in the top five. He you know had himself a decent week. He finished top ten. He backdoored his way into a T nine with a few different guys, but Tiger had one of the craziest shots you will see all week on the second hole yesterday on Sunday afternoon. Tiger pipes one right at the flag. It goes one to in the hole and out of the hole. Here is the audio of this shot and if you are if you need anything else just go watch it. I'm going to put it on the, I'm going to put the YouTube link on the show notes. So go check it out there, but here's the audio of this shot. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's going to just try to push it over there a little fade into that hole location. Oh, definitely that. Oh, there you go. Like that. Oh, kidding me. God, it went in the hole. That might be a first. <laughs> so what I asked you, Nick, what does he need to do after that bogey at one? I didn't there, know. There's the answer. I didn't have an answer. Start dunking shots. That was amazing. I think that's a first for me. That's a first for me, Nick. Yeah. It was what? in the hole. How about this? One, two. It's perfect. Down. And whoop. Oh, you know, what a place to freeze it. 20 questions. Did it stay or come out? Oh, my. Right. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Look at him, though. His reaction is like... <laughs> Absolutely crazy that this ball went down into the hole and bounced out as if it was a rubber ball hitting your driveway. I couldn't believe it. It was um, insane to see. And, you know, Tiger, he ends up having this week. We talked about it a little bit on Thursday night with Jared. He shot a 69 on... Thursday, 71 on Friday, another 69 Saturday, and a 70 yesterday. He was under par all four rounds, and he just never had that day, you know. Um, The winner, Mark Leishman, he was similar, He, but he had those two days that differentiated himself. Shot a 68 the first day, um, uh, and then has an even par 72, and then had just had a great weekend. 68, and then Sunday, yesterday, has that 65, and it was this slow and steady round, and kind of to jump into it, if you weren't following along, uh, John Rahm ends up taking the lead at the 54-hole mark after Ryan Palmer really had himself a tough weekend. Palmer was the 36-hole leader and shoots a 71 on Saturday. Again, just didn't really, not really able to make a move, but he's in the final group with Rom. So maybe if Palmer has himself a nice Sunday, maybe he ends up having the day. Palmer shot a 62 on Friday, which really differentiated himself. So again, circling back to Tiger, just didn't have that big day. But Rom 
starts in the fir- in the final group with Ryan Palmer and starts off disastrously. He's at 1.4 over through five holes, ends up three over through nine, and then pars the first three holes in the back nine, then goes completely off as Mark Leishman's having himself a day. Leishman would be five under through the front nine and taking this com- what's seeming to be a commanding lead. And at one point, Leishman's seven under. He's in front at fifteen at 16 under um, and ends up, or it's 15 under, excuse me. But then Rom goes off. He eagles 13, birdies 14, bogeys 15. And now we're seeming like, all right, it seems like Leishman's going to win here. So at this time, at the same time, Leishman is just parring, even keeled, steady Eddie. Then as Rom recovers from his bogey with a birdie on the par 3 16th hole, Leishman bogey 17. And all of a sudden, things are getting interesting. Because John Rahm birdies 17, shoots a 3, where, where Leishman had just bogeyed. And within seconds of, of Rahm's birdie on 17, Leishman puts in a crucial birdie on the 18th hole. He does not know what what John Rahm has been cooking with in this in this back half. He thinks he's at, he thinks that this birdie locked it up for him. He thinks it's all good and dandy, but drama ensues once again on the 72nd hole because John Rahm, ladies and gentlemen, comes in on this short quote unquote 545 yard par five, and I put it in quotes because John Rahm can get the absolute piss out of the ball. He sends his second shot over the green, all the way to the back edge. Now, this green, if you've not seen it, it is, it's long horizontally, and it slants back towards the hole. The pin is in the front left, over a pond, and John Rahm has to putt downhill at this. He has eagle to force a playoff. They showed highlights of him making this similar putt to win the tournament a couple years ago. Justin Rose won it last year. John Rahm won it a few years back. And Rahm sends this thing in, and you just it looks like it has the pace. You see it pick up steam as it's going down the hill. It's curling in. It's curling in. CBS has it zooming. It's zooming. It's zooming. It's zooming. It's zooming. As it's about two feet away, it takes a little veer to the left, and it stops a foot short. Taps in for birdie. Leishman ends up winning this thing. 15 under total. Shooting a 65 on the last day. And just incredible. An incredible final round. We've had ourselves some awesome golf to kick off the week. Or kick off the year in 2020. A lot of drama throughout the month of January. We move to the Waste Management Open. The biggest party in golf. Maddie D and I were there last year. You can see the highlights of it on our Instagram story, Thunderblog Sports. Um, some of the shots of the week that I wanted to talk about. Jordan Spieth on Saturday had this incredible chip from basically from the grandstands, which there's a lot of talk about grandstands. If you look at the difference, just as a quick aside, look at the difference on the 18th hole from 12 years ago when Tiger won the U.S. Open there to what it is now. It looks completely different. But back to Spieth. Spieth has this incredible chip up, and here is the audio of it. Let's go to 15. Jordan Spieth is there. Down up against the uh, Bleachers Grandstand. 
This has got a chance. Catches that ridge just what? right. You are kidding me. Why would I kid you? I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Unfortunately, that gets him back to two over on the day. Which has been his problem day Saturday. Playing with Jason Day. You remember those two yeah. battling up at Whistling Straits when Jason won the PGA in 2015. So that was Jordan Spieth on the 15th hole on Saturday. Spieth, um, yeah, he he got it going a little bit, but then had a really rough third round. And you heard it there from Nick Faldo that Saturdays have not been his friend. He's had himself quite the couple rough years since winning the British Open in 2017. So hopefully he figures it out. You know, Rory the year, he won two majors. He had a similar problem. He couldn't get things done on Fridays. So who knows, if Spieth figures it out and gets his Saturdays going, I mean, that's the hardest part, is making the cut. And, you know, this guy's one of how many majors? And if he figures out how to get it going on Saturday, puts himself in contention, I mean, it's not hard to think that he might be in a position to win a major this year. Uh, I'd love to see Rory try to do it. Obviously, I'm a big Rory fan. He had himself a, a pretty nice weekend, you know, a ho-hum tie three, but, you know, kind of a rough Friday, speaking of problem days. Um, another guy I think could probably do it who had a similar week to Tiger, just never got it going. It's Tony Finau. Three rounds of 70 and a 68 on Saturday. Shoots 10 under for the tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, if he's normally, and once again, a top 10, he's a top five machine. And it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that he might be able to figure something out. Uh, maybe at. Maybe at the Masters, where you know he he rolled his ankle a few years ago. If you remember that, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of possibility out there. But yeah, that that was the Farmers Insurance Open. I mentioned it. We're going to the Waste Management on Super Bowl week, as is tradition. One of the more fun weekends of sports. Um, yeah, the the time I had there last year is awesome. If you're going and you're trying to get on the 16th hole, make sure you wake up super early. Uh, if you're from the East Coast, it's not as early as you think of getting there at 4 a.m. Arizona time. It's only 6 a.m. You probably wake up at 6 a.m. for work or to go work out if you're the uh, you know one of those types, which I used to be, and now I just work out at night or sometimes at lunch. But you know, more power to you if you have the uh, discipline to get up early. I wish I still had it. But let's talk about some other stuff from the weekend and, and keep this thing light. Uh, NHL All-Star Game. So Friday night, we'll start there. Had ourselves a lot of fun watching this. And you know the women's three-on-three was probably the highlight of the night. We had great fast skater, had a great sharp shooter. Uh, but the women's three-on-three was incredible. The response from it was awesome. Canada ends up pulling it out in a 2-1 victory, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, the, the ladies put on quite the show of a lot of close calls, a really nice goal from Hillary Knight for the USA, gotta give her you know, a nice shout out, and I think that it made huge strides for the women's game, and the NHL announced they're going to be donating $250,000 to USA Hockey and Hockey Canada to help grow the girls game for you know young women out there and help youth hockey for, for young girls. And it's just incredible to hear. Hopefully this means that we're making steps to get to 
one unified women's league. And hopefully, if there is one, bring one to Philly. I'd love to go watch. Get a, you know, We don't have a WNBA team, so maybe we get women's hockey, and that's how we get the women's sports niche here. I know uh, women's professional soccer is still trying to figure out their... You know, getting their footing on North American soil, but you know, maybe maybe the women's pro game gets that because the NHL stepped in. Do the right thing, NHL. Gary Bettman, let's get it going, bud. But let's talk about the big All Star game because it was a uh, quite the tournament with the Metropolitan All Stars. I don't want to say it was an upset because it's an All Star game, but losing nine to five the Atlantic, and you thought maybe after a four goal first half, if you want to call it that. Um, where David Pasternak just goes completely off. Scores a hat-trick throughout it, as does Anthony Duclair, guy who we talked about it a little bit. Both Greg and I have talked about it a few times, and Jared and I talked about it on Thursday. He's having himself quite the year. I feel like he's a name that if Ottawa thinks they can maybe get a nice flip for, maybe he's thrown out in some trade talk. Both him and Pasternak end up having these, uh, end up having hat-tricks as the... Atlantic scored two empty netters with about with under a minute to go, uh, but it was five five at one point. Nico Hishier had two goals in the game. The young Devils defense or uh, forward, excuse me, former number over overall number one pick, Travis Konechny, Flyers representative, had himself three goals. Did fairly well in the fast skater competition. Uh, wore a bomb ass hat, which I've not been able to find. The All Star Game hats that all the players are wearing. If you found one. Let me know. Put it in the comments. DM it over to me. I need to find this hat. Um, we never talked about the jerseys. I thought the idea of having the stanza, the uh, you know the five lines. I think that's what it's called. Um, you know that you read music on with the logo going through there. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't like the all one solid color on the jerseys, but you know I'm not here to to nitpick. I guess. But yeah, so the the Atlantic pulls off the first game and then. And I am going to call this an upset because another game that you thought, all right, 4-4 at the half and then a complete shit pumping was the Pacific Division over the Central. I thought the Central was he, was was going to have the easy route because the Pacific Division, you know, they, they obviously have McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I wasn't sure who was going to get it done for the rest of them. And boy, was I wrong because... They had everybody contribute here. Tomas Hurdle scores four goals, including a natural hat trick. That's three goals in a row, all in one period, to close the game out. He scores four goals in a row, or three goals in a row, after Leon Dreisaitl had himself a day. Patrick Kane had two for the Central, trying to keep him in there. Uh, Matthew Kuchuk had two for the Pacific. Quinn Hughes had himself a day. With a bunch of assists. Anze Kopitar looked great. Max Pacioretty looked great as he's uh, representing the Arizona Coyotes after, uh, you know, having himself a couple, up, you know, a little bit of an up and down season since coming over there. But holy crap, did this team prove me completely wrong? Uh, everybody got on the scoreboard, it looked like. Um, and yeah, it's. You want to say that the Pacific Division's the weakest of the four? They. Proved a lot of people wrong because they end up winning the All-Star game 5-4 in this final game. They were down at one point, 4-3, and lo and behold, who ends up getting it done? Elias Pettersson with his Vancouver Canucks teammate Quinn Hughes. 
who had himself five assists, five assists on the All-Star game. Then Tomas Hurdle, with about a minute and a half left, scores using the two Edmonton Oilers as his assisters and Drysettle and McDavid. Um, Pasternak ends up getting the MVP, which, you know, good for me. I had him on Daily Fantasy, but, uh, you know, not here to to brag too much because I was dead wrong. I thought it was going to be the Central beating the Metropolitan. Uh, it was not. specific over the Atlantic. But overall, the atmosphere in St. Louis seemed to be great. The Shooting Stars competition, which I did not talk about uh, when we were talking about Friday night activities, but that seemed to be a huge hit. And what it ended up being, because Jared and I talked about this a little bit, but the raised platform, it didn't end up being them shooting at a goal from the other end of the ice. As you've seen a lot of these videos, Jared talked about Sidney Crosby doing it and Malkin doing it, but it's been, people have been doing this forever of them shooting all the way out from the mezzanine. Uh, I think uh, they showed Roman Yossi doing it at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville a while back. But it ended up being this raised platform where. Basically, after they got off the ice, it looked like Patrick Kane, who ended up winning the thing, was in jeans. Uh, but they were shooting at targets on the field, or on the on the ice, excuse me. Thinking of another target practice, which I can cover in a second. Uh, and the, there are different targets at different lengths. So basically, it was an idea of how far could you huck it. There was one in the goal, and then you got certain points for it. And Patrick Kane ends up winning in what they called overtime, extra time, what have you. Um, and it seemed like a pretty cool competition. The NHL trying something different. And overall, I think it was a successful all-star game experience, especially now that we're in, I think this is the fifth three-on-three tournament. I feel like they'll probably try to shake it up sooner or later because they seem to use these in five-year spurts. I think they only did the fantasy draft for a few years, but I do think they need to change something up with the format of it. Like we mentioned, it's going to Miami, so they're keeping it next year. So it's keeping uh, keeping interesting places there. I'd love to see that vibe continue. I know that they're, and the NBA is in the same same boat too. They like to do this black and white jerseys, but I would love to see black and then that Miami Vice blue or black or the Miami Vice blue and Miami Vice pink somehow to, to change things up because I think that would be pretty cool. Even if you go east-west, West normally blue, you give them that Miami Vice, almost teal, that shiny blue, and give the East that nice, vibrant pink. I think that'd be pretty sweet. I think it'd probably sell really well, so win-win there. Um, Or go still four teams, but give the four captains their druthers to pick teams. I think that could be pretty fun, like the NBA currently does. I don't know. I think think there's a lot of different ways that it can go. I think, though, that... uh, it is remaining to be one of the more premier events, especially as the Pro Bowl is another event that happens this weekend. And when I said targets on the field, that's what I was thinking of because the skills competition, whatever you want to call it, Friday night for the Pro Bowl was happening at the same time as the NHL skills. And there was a target competition that was pretty pretty hilarious to watch because you had quarterbacks against non-quarterbacks in this target comp that's on a baseball field, so you had different targets that were moving that quarterbacks like Russell Wilson could just could just nail. Then you had wide receivers like like Jarvis Landry throwing at these things. Some of them have arms, but just did not have the accuracy. And you could tell, you know, the the wide receivers didn't really give that much of a shit. But 
you see, <laughs> you saw Russ try to throw at the targets that were all the way in the corners, and they were on some baseball field in Orlando, and there's some on the foul poles that Russ is throwing at, and he's missing it by, like, just maybe a half a foot, and you just see him, like, kind of, mm, wanting to hit that target. And it, it was funny to watch. I did not watch the actual Pro Bowl, Pro, Pro Bowl itself, uh, as it was going on at the same time as the fourth round of the Farmers Insurance and, you know, the Kobe news, it really, the the most frustrating thing, and I'm sorry for going back to Kobe, but we tried to throw on ESPN right away, and it was just Pro Bowl coverage. And Jared gave me a buzz to see if I had seen the news and said he was watching the Pro Bowl, they hadn't said anything. You did see them announce it. Uh, there's a there's the clip, and a lot of different guys doing the Kobe celebration. Um, but, yeah, I've never really been a big Pro Bowl guy. You know, it's I, they did premiere the fourth and 15 onside kick which if you're not familiar with this which you only might have been if you read about the pro bowl itself because you may not have even seen highlights but the idea is instead of an onside kick the team trying to get the ball has a fourth and 15 play where they have to complete the fourth down and then they get the ball from there uh and kirk cousins came in and threw an interception so par for the course but it's a really interesting idea. I hope the NFL actually incorporates it. I don't know if the XFL is doing this, but I hope maybe they have a quick rules committee meeting and decide, all right, let's do this instead of onside kicks. Because I think that'd be a really good idea. I think the AAF did it last year. That was their big idea that the, it seems like the NFL is trying to incorporate. So who knows? Who knows what ends up happening there? Um, but yeah, that's really the sports end of the weekend recap. I do want to leave you guys on one last subject and let me know what you guys think about this sort of a pop culture type of thing. If I go see a movie or if there was some TV show I watched or binged or video game I played or what have you, I do want to talk about that. And a movie that, that third and girl and I watched last night, try to make ourselves feel better was a movie that came out last year called good boys. If you've not seen this movie or even heard of it, it's produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, the guys who made super bad and it follows the, the story of these three sixth-grade boys who, they're a couple weeks into school, they're try, they get invited to their first boy-girl party, kissing party as they keep calling it, and one thing leads to another with them trying to figure out how to kiss a girl, and their babysitter ends up stealing their dad's drone, they end up stealing the babysitter's ecstasy, and hilarity ensues as they end up breaking the drone now they have to go buy a new one but they also lost the ecstasy and a lot of a lot of crazy stuff happens and this movie is is pretty hilarious as you know the kids are cursing left and right and at least for me it reminded me a lot of being you know in middle school and and you know kids teasing you about different passions because one kid's really into singing and is getting teased about it and doesn't know if he wants to sing and other kids parents are getting divorced which my parents got divorced in sixth grade, so it was a very weird feeling of thinking about that, of very eerie timing to this one kid. And his parents are played by Retta, who played Donna on Parks and Rec. And I don't want to butcher his name, but the guy who played the TSA agent, the friend in Get Out, who, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Get Out, which if you haven't, you must not like movies. But he's the one, the end of the movie comes and saves Chris and goes, on TS motherfucking A. 
Um, but he, they play the guy's dad, the kid, who, the kid who's get, his parents are getting divorced, and they tell him, and they they try to keep it as light as possible of talking about watching This Is Us and that they're going to have Taco Tuesday, but it's going to be two different Taco Tuesdays, and one's going to be Taco Wednesday. And then the other kid, he loses his dad's drone, so that's his big drama, and he has this big crush on this girl, and he wants to know if she likes him back, and all this stuff. So, you know, it's it's funny, it's heartwarming. Uh, it gets really funny at times, though. So if you're in need of a good laugh, especially with all the stuff with Kobe, I definitely recommend go checking it out. If you've seen it, let me know what you think. Um, I also found the, the Letterboxd app. I don't want to make this a free ad, but it was pretty cool of basically tagging movies that you've seen and not seen. And then as you watch movies, you can tag and in a diary type thing and being like, do you want to re-rate this movie you've seen? Or how many times have you seen this movie? So it's, it's, I'd recommend go checking it out, but no free ads, but that was basically a free ad. So Letterboxd, hit me up and give me some free stuff if you have, have that. I know you have a pro, so maybe give me a pro, pro account for doing that for you. But that's going to do it. Um, let me know what you guys think of this one. I know we had to start things getting pretty real at the beginning of the show. But yeah, it was uh, definitely a weird way to end the week. I know I didn't really talk too much of the Sixer, the actual Sixers-Lakers game. Sixers won big. And it was very interesting seeing LeBron pass Kobe in the building. Um, and yeah, it, it was very interesting. AI was there. A lot of different people. Gucci Mane was there. But yeah, um, we'll probably have to do some big basketball primer. But again, let me know what you guys think of the weekend recap because we're really making this a work in progress. I have a buddy who potentially wants to come on and do the golf stuff with me. So let me know how you'd want to see that. If there's segments you want me to incorporate, what you think of me inserting the audio. Uh, But make sure that you subscribe because Maddie D and I are coming back later this week. We're recording Wednesday night. Our Super Bowl preview. We're going to be in person. I'm going out to his place again Wednesday evening. So make sure you tweet at us, ThunderBLG. Shoot us a DM. Find us on Facebook or Instagram, ThunderBlog Sports. Find me on Twitter. If you want to let me know your thoughts or you want to correct me on anything, Jordo9 is it there. And, of course, subscribe the bullpen card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts is where we are. But have a great week, everybody. We're all going to get through this news. It is tough. Love you all.